Welcome to the Haskell Weekly Podcast. This is a show about Haskell, a purely functional programming language. I'm your host, Taylor Fossack. I'm an engineer at IT Pro TV. With me today is Cameron Guerra, one of the engineers on my team. Thanks for joining me today, Cam. Thanks for having me, Taylor. I'm excited about today. I think uh, last couple of weeks for Haskell Weekly, we've been interviewing some incredible people in the community, and uh, today we have something, you know, back back more to our roots, what we're used yeah. to, what we do day in and day out, which is uh, look at one of the uh, articles from the prep past edition of Haskell Weekly, and then we dissect and jump in a little bit. Um, today I'm really excited because, you know, we've covered a lot of Michael Snowman's articles before. Um, and we're going to con- cover another one today. But this one is honestly was a little brain stretching for me. And so I'm excited to kind of ask some questions I had from it and, and get some clarity, um, you know, as yeah. well as just bounce ideas around with you. Um, but today's article is titled Haskell Based Proposal Unifying Vector Like Types. So we're going to just dive right in, right? Yeah. And as you mentioned, it's by Michael Snoyman, who we frequently talk about on this podcast. Uh, But in relation to this discussion today, I think one of the reasons this is even coming up again is that Michael Snowman is involved with the Haskell Foundation, particularly kind of the more tech side of it. And uh, this is a proposal to augment or change the base library to have like a common vector type that everything else can use. So I think that's a little bit of the broader context under which this article was published. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know that you know his kind of focus and driving force is just to like help drive that technical agenda for the Haskell Foundation and and really find you know a way to make the quality of life of Haskell a little easier, um, you know, and kind of clear up some of the confusion about you know box versus unbox pin versus unpins memory uh, what vector is why there's so many different types and yeah all the variety of libraries we have for them and like what does what and what's the side effects so i think mm-hmm. he like really dove in deep um, and so i'm looking forward to diving in Yeah, it's a lot to cover, so we better get started. And I think, uh, again, to contextualize just a a little bit more, actually, before we get in, is that one of the goals of the Haskell Foundation is to increase like uh, industrial or commercial adoption of Haskell and try to find some of those things that could be warts or paper cuts that new people may run into and minimize those as much as possible. And one Mm -hmm. of the motivations for this discussion is strings. And it's a common meme or complaint about Haskell that there's, you know, five string types you have to care about. And that isn't really true. There's string from the prelude, which is a linked list of characters, which is a pretty bad representation. And then there's text, which is kind of the de facto library for representing textual data in Haskell. Um, And often byte string gets involved in the mix there because you can represent strings as byte strings, but you lose some information there because you don't know what encoding it is. Uh, anyway, uh, just just to contextualize, that's like the main motivation here, I think. But behind the scenes, regardless of you know what you do with strings, they need to be represented in memory somehow, and that's what this is more focused on. Right. And so, you know, you've talked about string being that meme wart thing that you know because it's the only textual basis in the base library, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, 
uh, in the prelude and in the bass library, the string type is really the only choice. And so much of the bass API uses strings as input or output because it's the only choice. Somewhat recently, like, I don't know, in the past couple years, um, the text library has become a wired in library for GHC, which means mm -hmm. that when you install GHC, you get text for free. So that has helped and that's made it more available, but it's still not like actually in base or better yet in the prelude where you don't even have to import anything to be able to use text. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know we've we've struggled against that. We've have our own custom prelude now that has that you know available to us. Um, but what what is kind of the you know another kind of thing going on um, that's like related to like all these options, right? Everything there's so many options mm -hmm. with different libraries and everything, um, but nothing really shares anything behind the scenes. It's all different representations, right? Um, so that's the, the key point here. So like, like I just mentioned, string is a linked list of characters and linked lists are baked into the language. You could write your own, but there's one in the language. So a lot of people use that. Uh, but linked lists have a lot of downsides. They aren't very compact in memory and they're not easy to iterate over, or rather they're easy to iterate over, but you might get a lot of cache misses along the way. And they aren't good at random access or mutation in place. So that's why there are other options for this. The most popular one is probably byte string. So if you wanted to represent just a, you know, bunch of memory in your program, you're probably going to use a byte string. Um, but it's not the only option. You could also use the vector package, like a vector of word eight uh, values, or you could use the array package, which is part of the Haskell language report, like the language standard, but it's also not a very good library. In a lot of ways, vector is just the array library, but done better. Um, and then there are a lot of other options, um, but those those are the main players. Uh, and maybe another one that's, that's worth mentioning at this point is the foundation library, not to be cute, uh, confused with the Haskell foundation organization, <laughs> um, but there's a library called foundation and it has a sub library called basement. And that contains a lot of these more primitive array vector like types. So it's got one of these as well. Gotcha. So you talked about, you know, byte string and vector word eight being quote unquote, like synonymous. Um, but you know, in the article, he talks that byte string is a, a pinned foreign pointer. Um, mm -hmm. you know, what does that mean for someone who hasn't a lot, doesn't have a lot of programming knowledge or is still learning the ins and outs of pointers and stuff like that? Yeah. So pinned is a, um, property of the memory that GHC will allocate for this thing. And what pinned means is that if you need to call out to C or just call, call out to anything through Haskell's FFI, the foreign function interface then if your memory is pinned, that means that the garbage collector won't move it around, which means if you hand a pointer off to some C program through the FFI, that C program knows that that pointer isn't going to move, which is really useful because it's probably going to want to do something with that pointer. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, the other, uh, you know, the alternative is to use unpinned memory, which the garbage collector is free to move around. And, um, you may wonder why would you want to use pinned versus unpinned memory? Like I mentioned, if you're making an FFI call 
you probably need pinned. Um, but another, or, or one of the downsides of pinned memory, I guess, the reason you don't use pinned memory everywhere is that since the garbage collector can move stuff around, it can uh, compact your heap, or uh, you people may be familiar with this back in the old days when we had spinning rust hard drives, uh, defragmentation, where you may have a bunch of small files all scattered over your hard drive, and you can pack them all together real close next to each other. And um, then you end up with more contiguous free space. And, and in this case, I'm talking about GHC's heap. Um, and that's beneficial because then if you need to allocate a big chunk of memory, you can do that rather than having to, you know, scan over all of your available heap or, or whatever. Uh, I, ha I mm. don't know too much about garbage collection, but that's my, my understanding of what's going on here. Yeah, no, I think that was a, a great explanation. Uh, you know, it makes sense why we'd want pin for the FFI because if that pointer points to something that's not there anymore, then we're really uh, SOL. So yeah, it makes sense for, for that situation. And I think, you know, the un idea of unpinned memory that allows the garbage collector to sort of organize the memory more or less um, mm -hmm. is great because then, yeah, that big giant heap of that, not... It's not actually a heap of memory, but <laughs> this chunk of memory that needs to be allocated, no matter what the size, can generally be found because everything else isn't in the way. Yes, and it's worth noting that the ByteString library provides a type that uses unpinned memory, and that type is called short ByteString. This I haven't seen this used very often, and compared to the like data.ByteString API that's exposed, the short ByteString exposes very little. It effectively lets you convert in and out of normal byte strings and then just kind of keep it around. So I think the intent is to use this for like uh, intern strings that other programming languages use or like symbol, I don't know, just something that you really only need a reference to. You don't want to do anything with it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, and what kind of kicked off this discussion was uh, we were talking about vector also and the other representations for the stuff behind the scenes. So mm -hmm. I mentioned that byte string is kind of the same as a vector of word eight. And I think maybe a reasonable question is, why isn't it that, you know, we have this mm -hmm. vector library, why isn't byte string just a wrapper around that? And that's the crux of uh, Snoyman's post here is that maybe it should be, right? Maybe it can just be a new type wrapper. Yeah. Um, but in order to do that, we need to solve this pinned versus unpinned problem because vector is unpinned, I think. Um, I should check that, but I think it's <laughs> unpinned. And uh, yeah, so that's one reason why it's not there. I th and the other reason, or one other reason, is that um, vector is a little expensive to compile and isn't a wired-in library. So the GHC team can't just like depend on it willy-nilly. So it's a big deal to get a new library involved. Right, I mean, yeah, and Snowman said, yeah, like the vector package itself is huge, so it takes a long time to compile. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and kind of to your point of vector being unpinned, um, I know it's, I don't, I can't remember if it's pinned or unpinned, but I do know it's boxed or unboxed, which, I don't know exactly what those mean, so I'm going to ask you in a second what those mean, but my <laughs> hypothesis of what those mean is the boxed is a range of memory in which it exists, and then unboxes kind of it's just wherever it wants to be within the, the heap. Um, 
I think that's close. So again, I, I'm not too versed in the details here, so I may get it wrong. But my understanding is that boxed is what we think of for normal Haskell data types. Um, like, and I guess maybe most people don't think about the memory representation of data types day to day. I know I, that, that I don't, but uh, boxed means Never. that... <laughs> Boxed means that it's like a uh, pointer to some struct that has all the fields on it that you're interested in. Uh, and sometimes there's only one field on the thing. So like a, a boxed word 32 is a pointer to a 32-bit unsigned integer somewhere in memory. Um, and the alternative unboxed means that there is no pointer. So it's just stored directly on the thing. There's no indirection there. Um, and this is important when you're trying to write high performance stuff with arrays, because if you want to iterate over an array or a vector or whatever, if it's boxed, every time you get to a new element, you have to chase another pointer and go to somewhere else in memory and get it. Mm. Whereas if it's unboxed, you can just loop over, you know, one contiguous chunk of memory. And this is very good for cache hits. So your CPU will load like, you know, that line of memory into its cache and you'll just rip over that thing super fast. Hmm. Okay, so it's I was a l little bit backwards maybe than on my understanding. <laughs> yeah, so boxed is like quote unquote normal for Haskell where mm -hmm. everything is a, like a pointer to somewhere else. Um, and unboxed is it's stored right there. You don't have to chase down a pointer to get to it. Hmm. Okay, yeah. And then what about, um, so there's also different types of vectors Mm -hmm. store like there's just vector there's storable vector and then there's like obviously a box vector which we kind of talked about already yeah and this is something that snoyman wants to try to clear up uh he doesn't have a very concrete proposal for this but if you go poke around with the vector package you'll see that there's data.vector data.vector.unboxed dot storable dot mutable like there's lots of different variants and i think that mm -hmm. contributes at least a little bit to why this takes so long to compile. There's a lot of code because this stuff gets duplicated and it would be nice if we could have one thing, just data.vector, and that can be boxed or unboxed or it could be pinned or unpinned or it could be storable or primitive or any of these kind of varieties because really the interface should be the same for all of those and behind the scenes, we either may not care how it's represented or we want it to automatically pick the most efficient representation for us. Right. And I, my understanding is that with Haskell's type system right now, that may not be possible. Uh, and I can't remember the specifics, but I, I know that when you go to unboxed, you are un unable to do certain things and, and everything behaves a little bit differently. Uh, the main hmm. thing I can think of right now is that like lazy values, I don't think can be unboxed or rather if you have an unboxed value, it's not lazy because if it's not a pointer to somewhere else, that means you have that value, so it hasn't. It has right. to have been evaluated. It doesn't already. just live in a thunk anywhere. It's exactly it is evaluated and available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think um, there's something you said just a second ago. Now it's escaping me, of course. <laughs> uh, but the wow, I really can't remember. But anyways, we'll keep moving on. The um, you know underlying vector type. Now I remember what it is. Uh, that, you know, existing vector types now have really complicated and convoluted instances for, like, boxed or unboxed or mm -hmm. and such. Um, because it's, it's not 
necessarily trivial to create those things. I know I wouldn't. I mean, I haven't looked at a type signature, so I don't know. But I would most likely have a hard time developing a instance of that thing um, because mm-hmm. it's in dealing with memory. It's dealing with things that are just kind of you know, it's it's behind the curtain, right? So it's, it's right. you know, you have this pretty view of what Haskell is, and then you have to pull, you know, if you pull back the curtain, you say, oh, okay, this is how all these things are represented in memory, and how they all work together, how she manages them all, how the garbage collector does things. You know, mm-hmm. that's something I haven't had necessarily a ton of time to dive into is the behind the scenes. Um, and so I think this was a great kind of step um, for me to get into that direction. Um, and I appreciate Snowman taking the time to kind of just share, mm-hmm. um, you know, some of the thoughts and, and feelings. Um, and, and you also being able to explain a little bit of the, the, <laughs> the jargon, more or less. That Yeah. Hopefully I've done a good job. And there's one other thing that I want to touch on um, mm-hmm. that is one of those behind the scenes things. Uh, if you've ever looked at the documentation for data.txt or data.vector, you may have noticed in a lot of places it says subject to fusion. And fusion. Yeah, that. Uh, if you aren't already familiar with fusion, those may be a little cryptic. Like what does that mean? Is it good to be subject to fusion? Is it bad? Should I want these functions or should I avoid them? Um, and to give a high level overview, uh, fusion is where you may have a pipeline of operations that you apply to something. And it would be expensive to like take your input and apply the first change and then take, you know, produce an output from that and then use that as the input to the second thing. And you'd have all of these intermediate Uh, text values or vectors or whatever. And fusion is where you fuse all of those things together, hence the name. Um, And I bring this up because this is one of the, or or, let me answer the questions I posed earlier, I guess. Fusion is good and you want to use functions that are subject to fusion, um, but it can be very difficult to tell when that works or when it doesn't work. And text and vector both have their own fusion mechanisms behind the scenes and they're different. So one of the upsides, potential upsides of unifying these vector-like types is to have one fusion mechanism behind the scenes or alternatively have no fusion mechanism at all and instead rely on some type of streaming library a la pipes or conduit to do that fusion more explicitly for you. Um, So that's a a super quick overview of fusion but I wanted to bring it up because um, one of the kind of gotchas with text and vector is that if all of your functions fuse together, you can get really good performance, but if you accidentally miss fusion somewhere along the way, then your performance can tank, which is very difficult to debug. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds a little tricky, like a little little bit of a line you walk there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so I just wanted to get that in as as a quick note, Um, but yeah, overall, um, again, the, the point here is we have all these different representations of bytes, really. Byte string versus vector, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Let's have one, and then everything else can build on top of that. Yeah, and include it in base so we can get rid of the usage of string in base. Yes, that would be no great. Reliance so many people string. have wanted that for so long. It would be great yeah. to have that happen. The first comment on the, the blog post uh, comment section was, oh, I'm so glad you want to get rid of string and base. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I mean, it can so be it can it. stay in base, but it shouldn't be the base uh, data type, you know? Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, Cam, 
for us as application authors, we can, we're in kind of a better spot because we can just say, we're gonna use text everywhere. And most libraries have a text-based alternative that you can use, or you can reach for an alternative prelude entirely, like Raylude by Koinic, that uses text pretty much everywhere, I think, or there are other alternatives too. Um, but as a library author, if you want your package to be used in as many places as popular or as possible, you probably want to depend on the smallest number of things as you can. So if you don't really need text, then you may not depend on it, in which case your only choice is to use string. And then that just perpetuates using string everywhere because you know somebody else wants to write a, write a library that integrates with yours, they are kind of forced to use string. So it's mm -hmm. a... Uh, negative feedback loop, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah. And I mean, as you speak of Kawinek, I wanted to do a quick little um, shout out to them for developing the, um, they created a diagram of Haskell ideas and things to learn over time and kind of the difficulty of those, um, you know, on a, on a scale, like a graph. So mm -hmm. it's really cool. It's in this week week's edition of Haskell Weekly, which I think is episode, or, uh, edition 255. Um, so you can find it there. It's a really cool, like, just kind of visual. Um, and GHCGS is the hardest and longest thing to learn. <laughs> so, you know, we talked about that last week. So it's, you know, everything's so related. And mm -hmm. we just, uh, yeah, just wanted to do a quick shout out there for that. Yeah, I thought that was really well put together. And like you mentioned, it's sort of a two-dimensional graph of these concepts in Haskell and how they relate uh, in difficulty and kind of when you may be exposed to them. So if you mm -hmm. feel like you're looking for something new to learn about Haskell, you could find, you know, kind of the edge of where you are and pick one of those things that's just beyond it. Mm -hmm. Or if you feel like you know everything, you could look back and say like, wow, I, I learned this thing way sooner than I should have. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's good to just kind of see what's out, what's out there that uh, you may not know. Um, or mm -hmm. be like, look at me, I'm a ball Haskell baller. <laughs> if you're a Haskell baller, please call us. We would love to uh, give you an opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so yeah, I think I've said everything I wanted to say about uh, this shared vector-like type. I'm sure mm -hmm. that um, I've messed some things up, but those are the broad strokes. I encourage listeners to go read this post. It's good and go discuss it on the Haskell discourse if you've got opinions, which I'm sure you do. Mm -hmm. uh, but Cam, do you have anything else? No, I think that's it. I think it was uh, overall great um, to kind of dive into this, even though it was a little brain melty for those who aren't as technically savvy um, and haven't looked sure. behind the curtain enough. Uh, yeah, but I do for those that are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I do think it's you know really really great knowledge and something that you know I think the foundation will continue to think about and you know GHC contributors and you know all that will kind of really evaluate and look at, you know, um, for, is this being something they seriously consider? Mm-hmm. Agreed 100%. All right. Well, uh, that will do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Haskell Weekly Podcast. I've been your host, Taylor Fossack, and with me today was Cameron Guerra. You can find out more about Haskell Weekly at our website, which is haskellweekly.news. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us wherever you found us. And if you have any feedback for us, you can tweet us. Our handle is Haskell Weekly. And Haskell Weekly is brought to you by IT Pro TV, an ACI learning company. 
and also our employer, they would love to extend an offer of 30% off the lifetime of your subscription. Uh, all you gotta do is go to itpro.tv, purchase, or you can even start a free subscription if you're skeptical, um, but all you gotta do is purchase, and at checkout, if you use promo code HaskellWeekly30, you will get that 30% off and you can see it uh, in the checkout process. Um, but I think that about does it for us. Thanks for joining us on the Haskell Weekly Podcast and see you next week. Bye. Peace.